Welcome to Rethinking with Alex Torpy. I'm excited to be bringing you another bonus discussion in the special series on running for public office, where we talk about ways to get more civically engaged, make an impact around us, and have conversations with interesting people. This discussion is with Steve Schnall. Steve had a long career as a tech-leaning entrepreneur and management consultant before he joined South Orange's governing body in 2013 by running for a council seat. In 2012 and 2013, when we needed to find some new people to run for the council seats in South Orange, Steve ended up coming recommended to me by some trusted community members as a smart, thoughtful person who had a creative inclination and loved arts and culture. So Steve and I met at a sort of local diner in South Orange, you know, in a typical New Jersey fashion though the rest of the conversation in the following years was anything but. We talked about the vision that I was trying to implement, greater public participation, commitment to being really thoughtful and thorough with the issues, not voting any other way than what you think is best based on the available evidence, putting in a lot of hours to drive more initiatives, and all those topics we really hit off, we really hit it off in our discussion. Steve ended up running and did so alongside Walter Clark and Sheena Collum, who followed me as mayor in South Orange. He's now stepping down from his council seat after eight years. Steve and I reflect on some stories and experiences from South Orange and talk about things such as the nonpartisan nature of government in South Orange, building trust in the community, running for office for the first time, more authentically engaging volunteers, uh, the role that journalism and media plays in government, local power dynamics, and a whole lot more. So check it out, and please don't forget to like, subscribe, or share with a friend if you like what you hear. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rethinking with Alex Torpy. Really excited to be having this conversation today with uh, Steve Schnall, who I served with on the governing body in South Orange. And for old time's sake, Steve, I got uh, the gavel here from the board of trustees meeting. So I want to officially call this discussion and interview to order. I'm in favor. <laughs> Excellent. Um, thanks for putting up with that corny joke um, as we get started here. Um, so Steve, um, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you were on the governing body in South Orange. The title in South Orange, of course, is trustee and village president instead of council and mayor. You've been a trustee for um, eight years now um, and wanted to start with, we're going to cover some really interesting topics today. Wanted to start a little bit about, um, uh, you know, kind of your story here of how you got plugged into this process. And um, I know we, we each have sort of a, uh, a part in that story, but I'll give you the chance to just sort of let us know a little bit about who you are and um, how you got plugged in in South Orange. Great. Well, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me, Alex. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. And uh, I always enjoy our conversation. So this one just is going to be recorded, which makes me a little nervous, but uh, but, <laughs> yes. but glad that we're doing this. So, yeah, my, my story is, is, is kind of a fun one. I was very fortunate to have had a 30 year or so successful professional business career, uh, having worked both for myself as well as uh, other companies, both small startups and, and large institutions. So um, I had uh, was very fortunate uh, when I turned 50. I had a plan actually when I was 30 to, to retire by 50, and I was able to hit that goal. So um, that was sort of the first part of my life. And uh, the interesting thing is when I retired, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't have a set plan. I just knew I wanted 
two things. One was to uh, I hit a goal, uh, and two, it was it was good to get off of that. Uh, quite frankly, uh, it's hard hard work uh, in, in the corporate world, constantly having to succeed uh, in in any number of, of metrics. So. I was glad to at least take a breather. I didn't know what was next. Um, and I took about nine months or so after that uh, to kind of just get my footing. Um, I had a, a family and I was doing stuff, but um, now, then can I there jump was- in? Was there shortly, anything that you did in that time period that helped you sort of reflect on what you wanted to do next? Part of it was, was taking it easy and relaxing. So one of the things I will share with you was during business, I was very- focused uh, in my thinking. And I was always thinking about, and that was almost, I have, have to say, 24-7 thinking about my clients. So I was always on the on the service side. I was a, a consultant in, in almost all the components of my business um, experience was providing consulting services, primarily around technology or management consulting. Um, but I found myself, let's say, watching movies, reading newspapers, having conversations, always with a filter towards how I might use that incoming information to apply to a business situation as it related to my clients. Hmm. So I found actually reading, let's say, the New York Times, I would skip certain sections if it wasn't related necessarily to my client base at that time. If I had a pharmaceutical client and I was reading the business part of the New York Times, I would maybe only focus on pharmaceuticals versus other sectors. Right. That was true about everything that I was doing. I was I was very uh, keenly aware of what my clients wanted, either in their existing situation or planning for the future. So, um, what that effectively meant is I excluded a lot of things from from my thinking. If it didn't meet and resonate with with that current thinking, I just didn't talk about it or think about it. Um, and as you can imagine, that's very restrictive. So when I got off of that uh, treadmill of having to think about that, it opened my ears up in, in a wide way. So I, I didn't have a plan. What I knew was I could now listen better. Hmm. Um, and two things I would say happened in that period of time that shockingly was not something I thought about that, but that did happen. One of them was uh, I had an old acquaintance who was getting into Broadway productions. And although I never felt like I knew anything about the entertainment industry, I'd never been involved either as a, as a performer or in the industry, um, there was nothing more exciting, quite honestly, than being involved with a Broadway musical production and getting involved with that. So that was one. And, and the good news for that, that turns out uh, in, into a, a Tony Award. Um, I remember that well. That was all very exciting. Super exciting. And the other one was when you, you know, and, and uh, one or two other people tapped me on the shoulder. I had lived in town uh, at that point for uh, 13 years or so. Um, and, uh, you know, you tapped me on the shoulder and, and asked me if I might be interested in participating in our local municipal government. And again, I had never been involved uh, in any way, really, in, in government policymaking or anything like that. But it sounded intriguing, and the way you described it, I remember sitting in uh, the uh, blue uh, blue plates blue yes, plate blue plate special, yeah, special cafe, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, on Irvington and Ward, and um, I was open. You know, I said, "Hey, first of all, it was the mayor who came to talk to me, and that was, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, I was like, wow, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, how often do you get, you know, it's the number one guy in town, and." Um, 
you know, you, you, you told me about your approach. Uh, it wasn't necessarily anything specifically that I had to do, but I really liked where you were running a participatory form of government. Uh, you were not necessarily looking for people who cloned you, who thought exactly like you. No, there's plenty wanted... of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, <laughs> no, but um, but you really engaged me in a conversation that that uh, that challenged me and stimulated me in, into uh, a new way of thinking. And so again, I hadn't even considered that. Um, but uh, then when it came up, I was like, hey, this this could be interesting. Yeah, so so that's interesting, and and I can I, so let me share a little bit from um from from my side of that too. Why you know see why why I approached you and why uh, you know that was the sort of consensus among some uh, myself and some of the other colleagues um, on the governing body that we wanted to um, uh, we, we had identified you to sort of you know solicit or recruit or something for this um, process is you know there had been. Um, some pretty negative dynamics on the governing body um, previously that, um, you know, distracted our focus uh, away from kind of working on some of the big picture issues and on to sort of like things between individuals or things that had maybe uh, different motives than just trying to figure out what the, what the best solutions were for their community. And we were struggling with that. And what we wanted to do, and certainly what I was interested in was, um, an environment that would bring people from different backgrounds and different perspectives, different experiences, and kind of put all that in like a blender, um, which sometimes those board of trustee meetings can sort of feel like, um, and, um, and, and, and come out of that with good policies and good ideas. And that, you know, something that, um, you know, that I wasn't interested in, I don't think any of the other uh, governing body members were interested in was finding somebody who was going to be on our side, quote unquote, right? We didn't want someone who was, go we didn't wanna try and find people who were gonna do what, what we wanted them to do. We wanted to find people who had interesting life experiences, who seemed committed to some of the values that were important to us in the community, um, and we're going to be really active and enthusiastic participants in the process, which, as I think you you, you certainly know now, um, and may, maybe not totally at this point when we're having the conversation of Blue Plate Special, how much work you know really goes into doing this, um, and that and that it really you know, but but it's sort of a make your own. You can kind of call it in, phone it in if you want, and a, a lot of people in a lot of towns do do that. But there's also a lot of people. I mean, they really spend some time. Um, and it's sort of an open book where if you want to, the more time you want to spend, the more things you can get done. Um, and the more committees you can meet with, the more issues you can research, whatever. Um, and we want the people who are just going to like throw themselves into this process and, um, and participate. And so you were one of the, um, you know, people that uh, we had looked at, uh, Walter Clark being one of the other individuals who had been involved for a really long time in a lot of environmental issues in South Orange. Um, and Sheena Column was the other person who now is the mayor, is the village president. Um, and for many years, since she was a student at Seton Hall, I mean, she had been extremely involved in South Orange, um, especially on public safety um, issues, um, and especially on university and village issues. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of an exciting slate of people potentially, because it was like all of these people are going to they're going to bring a lot to the table. They're going to bring a lot of hours to the table and a lot of experience. And 
whether they have what they're not people who have necessarily political histories that didn't factor in and for people that aren't familiar with south orange you know it's a nonpartisan form of government um and the elections are uh in may um and they're nonpartisan elections and each slate running right you have to sort of establish your own party each time there's an election and you can't use you can't reference democratic or republican party um, and so there had always been different slates over time. I think the one that you ran on was a new one, I'm pretty sure. Um, and um, it wasn't on my slate. It wasn't on the slate of the prior governing body members. Um, and, uh, and so unlike a lot of um, cities, especially, but towns, where the, the recruitment and identification of potential members is highly driven by partisan incentives, building up power structures in the community, getting yes votes on the council for particular projects. That wasn't really part of the process from our standpoint. And so I guess I'd be curious, like when we were having those conversations early on, and it became very clear to me once we met and were talking that you were indeed, um, and I honestly I don't actually remember I don't remember why your name was on the top of the list, like where that came from exactly. But once we started speaking, it became very clear that you were very thoughtful. And that was like the quality, at least my own personal bias is the most important for elected officials is someone who is willing to look at information, willing to hear everybody out. You're going to take all that in and you're going to make your own decision. Um, yeah. So so I, I think, um, first of all, I, I will say in order to do that, it requires a great deal of trust. Mm. So very often, uh, and if I think about on the negative side, uh, what comes to my mind is, is the old, the good old boy network, right? Right, right. People tend to pick things, people who are just like themselves and they want, uh, they don't want to challenge. They, they really want it to be status quo. They, they have their buddies, their buddies support them no matter what. Um, and that's sort of the opposite of uh, what I think your thinking was back then. And it has been really come to, uh, thankfully, over the last few years, and particularly even the last year, is an emphasis on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm -hmm. which is kind of the opposite of that. Diversity is not just so you can have representation. It's not just so you need one of this or one of that. It's really you value different opinions um, and that you see the opportunity to have different perspectives may inform you. And one of the things that I've enjoyed about our conversations, quite frankly, you and I disagree on a lot of things. There's yeah. a difference in, in our age and some of our background and experience. But what I think both of us have enjoyed through our relationship has been that we challenge each other and sometimes we keep our opinions and sometimes we we transform a little bit. We, we progress, we evolve in our thinking. I personally have enjoyed it and I think you know that's, I, I hope for you as well. Um, and so I think that requires trust in yourself to be mm -hmm. able to allow this new opinion, new perspective to come in, and even if it differs with your own, to respect it. And, and you may, again, you may uh, update your opinion or you may not, but you have to believe that the structure in place will allow to hear different opinions. And ultimately, as the rest of the, the body, so there's the one leader, the village president, but there's six trustees, 
And based on recommendations and the ability to uh, confer uh, in the public about a, a topic and also reach out to the, to the public, we come to hopefully the right decisions. Yeah, let's let's spend a minute on this because I think this is this is um, it's important. It's so important and it's such a tough issue to discuss because there is so much value in disagreement. Um, and, um, you know, the, I we you know, we, we, we do we've had lots of debates and conversations over time. And uh, and I think anybody who knows Sheena and I uh, knows that that's the case, too. Um, and, uh, you know, and some of those happen in private and some of those happen in public too. And all of that's fine. You know, some of that was by email and some of that was in trustee meetings. Um, and, you know, I think that what is so different, you know, and now myself having worked in a handful of other towns um, as an administrator participating in council meetings or consulted with other towns, I mean, it really is, uh, you know, the MO of most places to try to like, okay, we're all on the same page. And actually that's what I thought when I ran in South Orange the first time, I thought all seven members were hundred percent on the same page about everything because that's often what it looked like to me. Um, you know, votes were unanimous and there wasn't a lot of disagreement public. And what I've learned since then is that in a lot of places there is disagreement, but it's sorted out behind the scenes. And honestly, I don't know why we should be ashamed of disagreement, you know, like disagreement and vetting out those ideas, like that's something that I feel like the public, A, has a, I mean, legally, technically has a right to see um, in New Jersey and probably many states, but also from a, from a sort of strategic and ethical perspective, isn't it good if you're not thinking about political incentives, right? who's winning on what issue and what party's being elevated, which seems to be maybe one of the main reasons why those debates don't happen in public. Um, but if, if that's not a consideration, which we didn't really have in South Orange at all, almost, it seems like there's tremendous value in letting the public engage with you as you actually engage with each other authentically instead of performatively. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think, um... You, you talk about, I, I will tell you the, the one reason that we've talked about um, that when it sometimes does happen behind the scenes and we do have conversations, uh, thoughtful conversations, debates, and we have different perspectives. And sometimes we do come out with the uh, unanimous, not always, but I think some of that is also leading with confidence. So one of the things that I think uh, some of what we try to do is appearance based, whether that's right or wrong, but it is to show that there's a unified, strong support for a policy that we put in place. Mm -hmm. um, when you're a leader, you know you want to uh, provide that confidence to, to your whoever your constituency is, and in our case, our residents. Um, so I think even if we disagreed, there were times we would get behind. Obviously, if we were completely against something, we would say so, uh, and may try to flip, you know, in public, try to flip the opinion of the others. Um, but sometimes we also would just say, yeah, you know what, it may not be my first choice, but it, it, it's right. a second choice. And I want to at least get behind my colleagues to show mm. my support that I won't prevent it. So one of the things that you talked about was there was a dynamic prior to me coming on board where there were things weren't happening in um, such a smooth fashion. 
um, and there was it, it uh, prevented uh, moving forward at times. Mm-hmm. So there's a there when you come to conclusions, there's two ways. If you're on the winning side, well, you know, you can celebrate and be happy. If you're on the losing side, you can either do one of two things. You can either get on board and say, all right, well, they didn't go my direction. But again, I don't think this is heinous. I don't think it's horrible. It's not my first choice. So I'll get behind it. And I, you know, even though it wasn't my first choice, I will support this and I'll help carry it out. Um, I think that's typically what we've tried to do is, is again, be supportive um, in that way. Being obstructionist um, can cause other problems, right? And then you build sides, then you build opposition, right. and then you might have someone get, oh, I'll get back at you. You didn't do this for right. me. Right. That is, that can be an impediment to progress. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, we would, we chose to avoid that. I think it's about culture. You and I have talked about that. My big word coming out of first out of private enterprise and then coming into, into the public world, uh, to me, it's all about culture. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so an example um, from before you were on the governing body uh, that that just reminded me of was we had, um, um, we, had a, we had two promotions that we were planning on doing at our police department. Uh, years ago. And not only were they two officers who really had exemplary marks, um, and we were very confident in moving uh, one up to sergeant and one from sergeant to lieutenant, um, they were both uh, people of color in a department um, that we were, you know, continuing to try to uh, make not just have, um, you know, well, we have, uh, I think it was 57 or 59 officers at a time, and we want X percent to be, from, we want people in leadership positions, you know, in the department. Um, and um, it was something that we were all pretty excited about. And we had um, everything listed, the resolution listed for uh, a trustee meeting. And we had polled all the governing body members about their attendance. And, you know, when we're doing promotions for anything like that, fire department, police department, anything, the families come out, they reserve a restaurant afterwards to go celebrate. You know, it's a really important milestone for them and for a department that, you know, um, uh, we wanted to support the kind of work they were doing, which was a lot of work with neighborhood watch and association groups and a lot of community engagement work um, and that we felt was uh, you know some of that was a good model we really wanted to encourage all of that make sure there were people in positions of leadership that represented how diverse our community is Um, and we get to the meeting and there were um, uh, there were not enough governing body members for a quorum um, and in South Orange, you have this kind of weird rule. I think I'm remembering this correctly. So we've got seven members on the governing body. And even though the village president can be a fourth vote on an ordinance or break a tie on a resolution or the other way around, basically we could break a tie. They did not count for quorum. Um, so you had to have four trustees, not three trustees in the village president, even though three trustees in a village president uh, at a certain point, we uh, interpreted it as being an OATMA violation because it was an effective majority, which is how the state statute is written that it's not a quorum, but an effective majority. Uh, man, these details, uh, so long since I've thought about some of these. Um, but so we didn't have a quorum and the they were there, their families were there and we, there was no opposition. We, you know, we, it's not like we discussed this and people were prepared to vote against it. There was a few people who just, their way of engaging in this issue was to just not show up. 
and not answer the phone or email when we tried to reach them. Hey, we've got a meeting happening that you RSVP'd for. Where are you? Um, and it was like a really, I mean, I remember that night. It was like, it was like, look at look at what we look like from the public perspective here. This is just like so terrible. We ended up finding one governing body member who uh, called in, met the, um, allowed us to meet our quorum. We held the meeting and and did those promotions. Um, but like that was such an such an um, not productive way to engage. And I would like, but like that, whatever the debate was, I don't know if the debate, I don't know what the, I don't know what the concern, maybe concern that, you know, it was going to allow us to hire more people into the department and they wanted to keep the numbers lower. Um, I can't imagine that there was a disagreement with promoting, you know, officers from com underrepresented communities of color to leadership positions, but, but maybe, I, I don't know. But like, we didn't have the chance to have that debate in public like that and to see people vote yes and to see people vote no. Um, and, and that is, you know, those are, it's like, those are two different ways of doing things. And I think what's so cool about what we did for the next couple of years, and to some degree, I, th I think what I've seen, not having paid as much attention to every governing body member meeting in South Orange since then, is that that's a culture that has carried on, that things can be discussed publicly, and it's okay to disagree. And that if, you know, Sheena, who is someone that you're close with, also, you know, if she brings up something and you don't agree with it, you talk about it. And if you ultimately don't agree, you're not going to get punished for it. You're not going to get your committees removed from you. You're not going to be put in the doghouse for having an opinion different than somebody else. And I don't know, like, yeah, let's talk a little more about like, that just seems like such a, that's such a rare environment, especially in government. Yeah. So again, I think that comes down to culture. We don't have that sort of punitive type of thing, that punishment, or if you didn't agree with me, I'll get back at you. We just haven't had that culture. And I, and I do believe that, you know, in, in some ways that's, you know, it, it's not me alone by any means, but, but uh, I feel like that's a, one of the, the values that I brought, you know, in, in my sure. participation is, is focusing on culture, on engagement, on support, uh, it sounds small, but as as you're saying, it's obviously it's it's a hugely significant thing, and and ultimately we represent our residents, and that's why I was talking about where there's an allowance for building confidence. You you as a leader, as a representative for our 17 almost 17,000 residents, um, it's important how we conduct ourselves. It's not ex only what we do, but it's right. how we do it. The right. how part uh, is actually really important, and I try to think about that. Uh, when I conduct businesses is not only what I'm doing, but, but how I'm doing. I mean, I remember one of the first trustee meetings, I have this image of you and Walter there. And I, I don't remember what the issue was, but um, e each of you had a notebook and you were taking notes. And I was like, this is actually kind of amazing because what it means is you're taking in information that you didn't necessarily know you're jotting it down so that likely you can come back to it, reference it and think about it. And you're making your decision about how you're gonna vote on a legislative body based on weighing the evidence. What a yeah, revolutionary you know, concept. It, 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 and and I, you know, it sounds romantic and, and I too, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I appreciate that. I like that and I did try to do that. I will tell you that it didn't happen very frequently, but one thing is very clear in my mind in an instance where I actually in a meeting flipped switched mm. the way i was going so so yeah. often 
as, as of course, as you well know, we get packets, information packets uh, with our agendas and is all the background on any of our ordinances or resolutions, the, any information, the supporting documentation. Um, and so we all read it before we go into the meeting. So we're well informed and we're thoughtful. Um, and oftentimes we come to those meetings, um, if it is something of debate, you know, we're, I come prepared to, to show my opinion, why I'm, you know, presenting a, a, a certain direction. If, we, if it wasn't done out of committee, most, often most of our work comes out of committees. That's another thing we can talk about, which I think is a very powerful structure. Yes. Um, but there are sometimes it doesn't happen where we actually are, are voting on something or addressing something live, uh, where there isn't an as much time to become prepared or something or new evidence to, to use your word comes up. And the example of that, that I feel really good about because it also not only gets into the logic and the thoughtfulness. So um, my background is very, uh, I guess, left brain, very analytical math. I was a math major, computer science minor. Um, so most of my background was very analytical, linear thinking. But where I've tried to progress in my last bunch of years is the opposite side, the more emotional, intuitive uh, thought, you know, thinking in, in, in an emotional way. And I think there's a lot of value there. I think that, that combination is the most effective. Mm -hmm. um, but the case where we were being considered uh, sanctuary city, and this mm -hmm. goes back a couple of years ago, and Maplewood, uh, our sister town, had gone in a certain direction. Um, and they chose not to at their prior meeting that had just, you know, just occurred a, a few days earlier, not to use the term sanctuary city, but welcoming, a welcoming town or something of that veil, which essentially said the same thing. It, it was not a, a change in direction of how they had run themselves as a culture. Um, but because of the time, the political risk uh, of the gov current presidential president and, and his government of, of penalizing people who would be sanctuary cities, they decided not to go down that path. And I was figuring, well, that's a good compromise. We can effectively do that uh, and, and be welcoming, but not have to call ourselves, label ourselves something that would put us at risk. And so that was going into the meeting, what I was going to do. And then we had almost a full house in SOPAC. It was one of the largest attended, if not the most largest attending meetings that I recall in my eight years. Hmm. Um, where we had residents who came in, obviously very impassioned, uh, many with signage, and they came up to the public comments to our microphone where they each got to talk. And it was so compelling. And even though it had a risk, a de definite risk, uh, 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 if we went by the name, which we ultimately did, and I felt like it was really important to use the words sanctuary city. And I changed my opinion right there um, and I remember speaking out on behalf of it, and I like to believe that that was one of the key pivots that the rest of the board went in that direction as well. So I think going into that, we were not going to, and then I felt compelled and shared my emotional, you know, my, my thinking and emotion, and we ultimately voted to become a sanctuary city, which to me was, uh, it was one of the most fulfilling and rewarding uh, moments of my time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that... Um... That is definitely, um, uh, I, yeah, I can't imagine, you know, the, 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 uh, the difficulty in that, and I don't know if South Orange ever, were there any consequences with federal aid or anything like that? I'm guessing not. Um, there could have for, been, there, there might have been, it, 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 it didn't end up going that way, right, but right, right. very really could have been, right, we might've right. been 
seriously, as you know, we, our budgets are very tight and, yeah. and taking a hit with not getting uh, economic support would have really hurt us. Now, so and was that, that discussed with the community when they came out? It was basically saying, we, we're hearing what you're saying here. If we go forward here, just all be aware that there is a risk involved. And if we're all thumbs up on the risk, then we're going to do this together. So that was part of the discussion. It was part of the discussion. Right. And ultimately, though, it, it's up to the six of us who right. vote, the seven of us on the dais, to decide again. And, th and that's the beauty of what we do, right? We, we have to take into all of the input. There, there are repercussions uh, from how we, the direction we vote. And uh, that's, that's where I felt really good about you know, participatory government that are vote are elected to represent the community and are coming in with uh, again there's sometimes we don't right so so as you well know there's there are times when uh, our citizens don't have access to certain information when we go into contracts uh, whether it's personnel based or development projects where actually we have to be very careful because of the contracts um, that our residents don't have the same information we have and so it may right. appear to them that we may be making wrong decisions, but in, in some situations, we actually have access to information they don't. But this uh, comes back to trust, right? Because, and the, the example that j leaps out is East Orange Water Commission, yeah. right? Which was like a 10 year long uh, civil and then criminal litigation battle um, about, uh, the short story was that the water supplier that we had in South Orange, this is before I came in, some of these um, things had been started where there we had identified that there were some uh, contamination in some of the wells um, in South Orange with uh, VOCs that are like these dry cleaning fluids that are apparently very present in a lot of places in a lot of groundwater in New Jersey. Um, and that the response from the water and there was other billing issues and infrastructure maintenance issues and all sorts of stuff. And we were not really getting satisfaction on behalf of the residents for all of that. And we're very growing increasingly concerned about how they were um, addressing the contamination issues, which, for example, included stealing water from Newark um, to dilute the well area where the contamination was, so that when they ran the tests, there would be a lower level of contamination and not compensate Newark for that water and not tell them ahead of time. So create all these brown water situations when you have when water switches directions and pipes creates all these issues. There's all these different issues. Our attorneys in South Orange ended up finding criminal wrongdoing throughout the course of the civil litigation that included um, literally people at the Water Commission, you know, the, the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection knock on the door, hey, we're here to do a random testing. And then they'd be switching labels on samples and stuff, like something like that. Like that's the level of, uh, you know, intention, deliberate falsification and fraud that was going on. And the state attorney general opened a criminal investigation and the top two people actually ended up getting indicted and convicted and the whole board. And I know South Orange then put on the ballot years later and moved to a different water supplier that now South Orange operates to some degree. Um, and, but this was like a many multi-year process where the bulk of the work was legal, which we can't discuss publicly. Um, um, and I remember it was so difficult to kind of balance this with people. Because one of the things that I ran on and what I was frustrated about as a resident was not feeling like there was enough information about what was happening. And of course, then I remember the night of my election or the next day, uh, meetings got set up with our administrator and attorney. And it was like a full like seven or six hour day where I went out to their offices 
and we just started going through all the legal issues and the bulk of that was about east orange water commission and it was just like what a mess this is like the amount of stuff going on here and that most of this we can't even tell people because it will compromise our what we're doing um including that we were taking samples of the water that we had had a private company taking samples on a schedule that we kept secret from everybody because we couldn't let the water commission find out about it because they if they knew when the samples were being taken they could you know manipulate things and so we there were some secrets involved there but it was secrets very much so in the betterment of the community and it was a tough balance i don't know if you remember like i mean you know we had meetings where we had people from department of health and dep come out uh where we would just do like a till you drop uh you know ask all your questions about the health because there was so many rumors circulating online um and talking about okay well new jersey has a stricter you know parts per billion standard in dep than the epa has and even though we're above the dep limits we're below the epa limit so it's not a huge immediate emergency you can still use the water like there's so many things we had to address and i think that we actually did a pretty good job being accessible about the things we could be accessible about like being an open book on the health about them i mean we did this when we were looking at uh, cell towers we invited experts out and put them up on a panel and said you got to answer every single question that people have about this um and um and i think that doing things like that it certainly felt like in my conversations with community members that we sort of explained you know the legal issue like that we can't really get into those and like please trust us and trust us in these other areas and i think we built a culture not just on that issue but on all of these issues you know how we did the municipal budget and taking into account feedback from the citizen budget advisory committee the committees which i want to talk more about in a minute like people were plugged in in a lot of directions my availability as village president office hours every week like social media email phone like so we had all had so many things out there that it did feel like people were willing to give us the tiniest benefit of the doubt and that allowed us to do a lot of really good things absolutely and so it does come down to trust but you have to earn that trust right, um, right. and i think we yeah i think we did for the most part there are going to be some people who are just going to always be cynical and skeptical uh, and find opportunities exceptions uh, which again there may be things we we were not allowed to disclose um, you know, and, and that's a that's a hard part. It's it's really sad when we have you know people who will come after us uh, for whatever reasons, whether it's defensible or not. Um, but you know, the the beauty of of being a volunteer, uh, you know, there's very little self interest in in any of the policy setting uh, that we do, and and uh, it's one of the reasons I've enjoyed my time. Nobody could tell me how to vote. There was no higher force, no government, I mean, I'm sorry, no um, uh, corporation or, or individual. Who, no parties, who, no, no, no parties. Right? Yeah, it's really, I, you know, if it wasn't for that independence that I felt the whole time, I'm not sure if I would have done this, or if I did, I would, I would have been happy. Would have done but a I, second I, term, right. I would not have done a second term. Right. Uh, and I think I think as I travel around the state more, I feel like it's, it's more and more unique. I mean, I think back to like, you know, the restructuring we did at the Performing Arts Center. I mean, we had built this beautiful Performing Arts Center. It was built before I came in a couple, I mean, maybe it was, it was 2007, eight, nine, somewhere in that area, um, I think it opened. Um, and, uh, but it, the building the, was um, 
bonds were issued for the debt and that like that $13 million of debt was on the balance sheet of SOPAC. Um, and when they would apply to grant, I mean, nobody wanted to fund debt service payments. And we, and there were some community members, I don't even remember some of them. I mean, they were coming out saying, sell the building, close the performing arts center. You know, this isn't making money, which like no performing art, Carnegie Hall doesn't know what makes money. You know, I mean, public transit agencies, like these things don't make money. Well, some Broadway musicals might. Right? Yeah. Well, some, you know, some, some, some Tony award-winning Broadway musicals might. Um, but like, I, and I don't know if that was an expectation that was set in the community, like, oh, this is going to pay for itself. You know, and we did a study, we had a consulting group come out and do a report of like debatable value, but they did talk about, you know, the amount of money that goes to the businesses in the community with the shows, but there was all these issues with the Performing Arts Center and, you know, we felt sort of comfortable. I mean, I remember being in the SOPAC governor, board of governors meeting being like, we are behind you 100% here. Like this, this is an extremely important institution. Like we are going to make this happen. And we did, we took the debt off of their balance sheet, put it on the municipalities. And the next year, the grant money, the, the New Jersey State Council on Arts, the grant money started coming in. It was the most significant thing that happened to that organization, such right. in a positive way that it really turned things uh, to the positive. And, and it's had a, a wonderful- uh, They're doing incredible. Them. I mean, at least pre-COVID, I know it's- Well, so, and so there again, so we could have, uh, and it was a debate in our government amongst the seven of us. There was a question about, hey, should we be lowering the subsidy, or in, I like to call it investment, um, to, to, to SOPAC, given that they're not providing a service, right? They're mm, not right. performances. Um, and I actually, you know, as our liaison to, to between the government and SOPAC, very much advocated for, no, we, at, this is when they need us more than any time. Right. Any time. Um, and they're so important. I couldn't imagine what it would mean if we lost SOPAC, if that building, you know, uh, was no longer used for, for, the, for its original purpose. So, um, yeah, we make, you know, really important key decisions um, that have wide ranging impact. And so what you're referring to, uh, which we believe in terms of trying to, to prove the point is there's an intangible or indirect not intangible, it's a it's tangible, but indirect benefit towards our local businesses, our restaurants and our retail stores by bringing people in, not only necessarily from South Orange Baywood, but regionally and sometimes New York City. Right. So that brings shopping and vitality and it's a quality of life and all that stuff. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan, as you know, uh, of the performing arts and SOPAC, but uh, that was a key decision um, that absolutely had a, uh, a, a very, very key impact on, on their and it wasn't always destined to be i mean we, we, that was a point and that was an inflection point potentially when we were talking about the debt restructuring that um you know i it was hard for me to imagine what the building could be other than what it is but it seemed like it was possible that things could have gone in that direction and then you think about that or the improvement district um you know which is now the village center alliance that sort of supplanted the main street organization that we had done some really great work um, previously, but the improvement district took it to a whole other level, I think. It's like these things, and that was very controversial also. East Orange Water was controversial. SOPAC was controversial. All of these things were like highly controversial in which, town. Which is, what, which is what makes the role that I participate in meaningful, right? right if there, right. If there was no controversy, then you don't need me, right? Right, Honestly, right. You know, um, that's what I've enjoyed over these late, the last almost eight years is I feel like I've made an impact. It has not been just a benign oh, I get to sit on a committee and vote yay or nay. I mean, it's there are times we make really, uh, like you said, an inflection point where directionally, if we go in another 
you know, direction, it could really change things. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I, I look back and I can't say a hundred percent of the time, but, uh, a great deal of the time I've really felt good about my, mm -hmm. my role. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I mean, yeah, if, if, if there's uh if there's, if, if, if us humans have any free will at all, or there's alternate universes, those were all points where it could have splintered into different timelines. Um, and uh, so let's talk about the committee infrastructure a little bit, because I think that's also something that, I mean, we hear about it in local government or, you know, in most government levels of government, people talk about kind of committees that people are on. And there's a few different types of committees, right? There's like committees that are statutory, like a commission or a board. So like in New Jersey, this is obviously not for you, but for people that might be listening or watching and, and less familiar, you know, our environmental commissions, for example, those are statutorily designated. So state law requires that we appoint this group with these certain powers and responsibilities. And there's a couple ones like that. Your, your public library board is another one. And then there might be uh, committees of a governing body, right? Where governing bodies meet in non-majority numbers to discuss specific issues like budget or finance or technology or public safety. And then there's a lot of times there's volunteer committees, which are sort of the committees where there's more participation from the public. And something that I've noticed in a lot of communities is that a lot of the elected officials like to sort of be, they're very proud of their committee involvement, but I have not seen a town, Maplewood may be similar. There's a couple other towns that might be similar, but most towns do not have the, the number of people that are engaged and the it's the it's a quantity and a quality in South Orange. And so maybe, I mean, you, you've got more much more recent experience in South Orange than I do. So talk to us a little bit about like how, what committees are set up, what's going on, how are committees used, what's the value, what's the downside? Like walk us through that a little bit. How yeah, are well, residents would, involved in the governing? Yeah, I would say that you know, the, the, the motivation behind all of this for for South Orange uh, comes out of a scarcity of financial and people resources. At the end of the day, one of the things that makes our town relatively unique to some of the other municipalities around New Jersey and otherwhere um, is we don't have uh, commercial rateables. We don't have a mall like Short Hills right. or, or downtowns that are producing incredible amounts of of uh, institutional stores and anchor exactly town, right um so in order for us to pay for government staff it you know we would if we want more we would have to increase taxes and we already have high taxes again we're not you know a, such a large portion of the revenue that government needs to run itself um comes from our individual property taxes so uh, what I feel that we have done very successfully is given that we uh, are very careful, we're fiscally prudent in terms of staff, uh, it either means we have to aspire to do less and that would make our quality of life poorer. Uh, but in order to attract you know, the, our, our potential residents and to you know, keep our residents happy, we don't want to reduce services, we want to increase services. And the only way to accomplish that is to supplement our existing government resources with volunteers, including ourselves, right? As you know, the, right. the seven of us do not take any compensation whatsoever uh, financially. I, I've always said I feel very fairly compensated, just not fiscally. I, I feel rewarded in many, in many ways. But the committees, the engaging of our volunteers comes out of, to some degree, out of necessity. It, again, it, since we aspire to do so much, to be 
to have great services such as the Performing Arts Center, such as uh, a great recreation program, all those things. Uh, in arts environments where we have public art and all that stuff, we have what you were referring to as advisory committees where people come in volunteer based perhaps on their expertise if, if their professional either education or experience, let's say is curating museums or, or whatever they bring. They're an architect, as you well know, that we have a development committee, which is amazing. Very, that very put, helpful, some of the it's members. It's so, such yeah. a huge impact to, you know, when we bring in uh, new development projects or potential projects to have a, a group of 10 folks or, or a couple more opine on the design, on, on what would work well for mobility and, and the structure, all that stuff. So those committees become absolutely essential to supplement and sometimes even create uh, opinions on how to proceed going forward. Um, and the way we've structured our local government is to have liaison. So, so each of the six of us uh, serve on as a liaison to committees or, or um, sometimes oversee them and chair them. Uh, but work with this expertise and, and a great deal of experience we have and our and the other part about the committee structure is it engages our volunteers, our residents, and they feel a part of it. So, so that's the beauty, right? People mm -hmm. are going to trust, coming back to that original you know, term we were talking about, the importance of trust. If you're a part of something and you see your involvement is actually listened to, it's not that just you're attending a meeting and then get ignored, but your, your say, your, 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 your uh, involvement is actually included and it builds, you know, a whole sense of trust because you see it working. And I think that's right. perhaps the most successful thing we do is we engage uh, our constituents, our residents, uh, to a high degree as possible to get them involved so they can uh, not only feel like they're participating, but they actually are. So what are some of the areas that people do participate on that you think are some of the highlights? Well, I can think of, uh, so when I first, uh, you know, when we were, uh, when we met at Blue Plate, that Irvington Avenue uh, business mm -hmm. corridor, mixed use corridor, yep. was really underserved. And, and um, it didn't get a whole lot of attention, as you refer to Main Street, South Orange, and then later the Village Center Alliance. Our downtown got a more attention from a marketing perspective, from promotions, from capital investment, from cleaning, from lighting, probably even some more safety uh, protocol in terms of, uh, uh, you know, addressing it from our, from our police and fire. Um, and, you know, we, we, we brought in uh, residents who really wanted to see a change there. And one of the nice things we did is we took a look at our assets. And one of the greatest assets we have in our town is we have a university. We have Seton Hall, mm -hmm. which brings a, another set of, uh, skills and, and resources, including a, uh, a part of their uh, business school, the Stillman School of Business, is they have a market research group. Right. And we put together a nice little strategic partnership, and it's great for their students and for the institution itself from a reputational standpoint. And they essentially gave us free or very, very low cost access to their market research group. And we engaged our community in terms of coming up with a set of actionable uh, activities to improve that little business district. So um, within that first year, we then uh, put budget dollars against that, uh, a six-figure number that significantly added to the safety in terms of lighting, signage, um, helped the businesses. We cleaned up the parks. Um, Started the food was, truck festival. 
And it was the origin exactly. So yeah. we what we talked about promotion. How do we get people to know about it? Again, people knew about our downtown, but many people didn't even know the great businesses uh, that were in that area. So the food truck was one way of bringing people. Everybody liked food trucks. So yep. uh, people, maybe for the first time, they may have been residents for 15 years and have never been to that part of town. I heard so many stories there. from people like that. They were like, oh yeah, I like drive around the corner all the time, but I've never stopped here. I didn't even know there were restaurants here. Exactly. So, so to me, that was you know one of the earliest signs I I, I saw of, of a committee that really uh, provided a great deal of value for our community. And so that uh, I committee. Think, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. So they. I just want to like just for a moment. So, so, so we had students who came out, met with residents. They solicited feedback from residents and business owners. Right. I remember that they presented all the findings at a governing body meeting. Um, and so it's so so part of that was people in the community giving them almost delegating to them to some degree hey here's what we want to do here we want to give focus to this area what how should we do that and let exactly. them they would you say that they sort of like drove the ship a little bit or well you know they they drove finding data and and so so as a as a any uh leadership organization uh as i talked about earlier there's there is the combination of emotional, intuitive thinking, but you really want to combine that with some good data-driven decision-making as opposed to just, I think that will be. And so that market research gave us that information that, that was well-represented. We had uh, significant data to, to tell us the direction, how people would prioritize. If we had, a, we always have limited resources. At the end of the day, um, we just don't have an infinite amount of money and resources, do we have a, a scarce amount. So how we apply those resources in the best way is it's the most important thing we do. Um, so that helped uh, give us a roadmap of activities and tasks and projects and goals uh, to go after that we're still working on. Right. Um, actually, you know, one of the things that uh, I feel most uh, one of my favorite times, as you, as you know, is I began something called South by South Orange, which was later transformed to South Next. Um, which was came out of actually wanting to work with Seton Hall. We had a university, which whose primary audience was the students, right? People pay tuition. It's primarily, you know, children, uh, youth uh, of eighteen <laughs> to. Good correction. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, well, there's some pretty uh, precocious. Uh, you know, there might have been some. Children. Yeah, well, I think one of the yeah one of them was the village president. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but again, but uh, you know. I know for myself, uh, having been in uh, out of school for so many years, I had never gone to grad school. I really desired uh, an opportunity to get into an academic provocative session, uh, uh, opportunity to you know to to be engaged in these thoughtful things. And if it wasn't going into government, how else would I, I find those hmm. things? And, um, and again, so Seton Hall, with their professors and their institutional knowledge and all that, was a great way uh, to partner up. So strategic partnerships. Uh, again, we don't have big corporations here. We don't have Pfizer's and, and IBM's headquartered here. What we do have is a, a world-class uh, in, yeah, academic institution. That's great. So, and, and it sounded like you were going to jump to maybe one of the other areas uh, uh, yeah, so where, where I committees think, have really been valuable. Yeah, I think we have, uh, you, you had referenced uh, the public safety. So again, mm -hmm. in a town, if, as the village president, there's nothing more important to your residents than there is them feeling safe, you know, being in a community where they feel they're safe. So um, we have a public safety, a citizens uh, public safety committee. 
uh, people come and they want to make sure that their streets are are clear um, of, of uh, you know, for traffic for pedestrians. So that's a, a really important thing. Uh, again, for me, um, arts. Again, I come back to culture all the time, and, and I, I want to emphasize again my role. Uh, is to help lead us to supplement. I keep saying, you know, so we have village government. We have a, a number of employees who refer to the, the police as now we're down to, I think, uh, in the high 40s. Hmm. Um, we have fire. Um, we have code enforcement. And there's, you know, that's staff. It, it does barely is enough in terms of uh, personnel to keep the village running safely right. and fiscally, you know, securely. Everything above that in terms of quality of life needs to come outside, and that's a big committee. So arts, to me, as, as a way of building culture is so important. That's why I've spent a lot of my time uh, as one of the six trustees. Each of us have our sort of lanes of expertise uh, and have found. So you mentioned Trustee Walter Clark. You know, he's very strong in sustainability uh, and in environmental uh, uh, coverage. Um, each of us kind of follows our passion, our interest, our expertise. Uh, and for me, I, I spent a lot of that time, I think, in culture and uh, arts, one being SOPEC, but there are a lot of other things that we do around town as well. So um, what I find is when we put the word out there that we're doing these projects and we let it be known that to the community that they have an opportunity to engage, then we get an, a terrific response. And like you said, I think probably unlike hardly any other town, uh, because not only do we do it for appearances, but we really get folks involved. They help fundraise if, if monies are needed. Sometimes they put in their own money, um, but we really get stuff done. And I think that that's one of the differentiators is there's a lot of substance behind the committees. Um, you know, I see, and and some of the committees, you know, I remember going to some, before I, before I ran, I went to all the committee meetings that I could find. And, you know, there was kind of a variation. Some were kind of doing stuff and some were a little more social, like we're social first. Um, and, um, and I see that in a lot of communities, you know, they're not really working um, on stuff all the time. And I think that that's one of the things that always struck me about most of the committees and mo not most of the people on most of the committees was they were there to do stuff. They were working outside the committee meetings on things. And they, the committee meetings were when everybody got back together to, to, to go over stuff. It wasn't like the only two hour. It wasn't just the meetings. Um, and that seems to produce a lot of value because we couldn't do all that work ourselves. Like you were saying, we're lim limited in terms of capacity. Yeah, it's, it's that throughput. It's that productivity that, that keeps people coming. So again, the, the big part of volunteerism is yes, recruitment, but it's also retention and people right, won't come right. back. Same thing, right? Why did I run a second term, right? If I didn't feel good about my first four years, you know, why would I do it again? And why would people stay on committees uh, after they, after they volunteer, unless they felt like they were making a difference for themselves and for the community. And I think we do a pretty good job. Could we improve that? Certainly. And I know that's one of the things that I've tried to work on is, is a, a systemic uh, solution to help with, with volunteerism again, from the recruitment as well as retention part. Um, but I think about uh, how individuals can come to us sometimes. It's not right. only necessarily, right? So uh, one of the local doctors in town, uh, Dr. Hugh Snyder, um, 
who just happens to be, you know, he, he had a practice in town, but he mm -hmm. cared about his community and he really wanted to serve not only his own patients, but the whole community. And he came to, to me and Sheena and had this idea uh, for a, uh, a fitness group. And for several years, I think it was three years, we ran what was called SoFit, South Orange, you know, SO Fit. Um, and we got local sponsors involved uh, and we would have speakers come in to talk about health and fitness, eating well, nutrition, exercise. We would sign up local, like the local gyms, would participate in restaurants, would have special menus. Um, and again, that was basically because Dr. Schneider came up with this idea. He needed help. He couldn't do it on his own, but he collaborated with government and, and a committee uh, to accomplish it. And it was, it was very successful. And I think that, you know, that's sort of embedded in the culture in many ways, because I think, I mean, we think about, you know, we touched on redevelopment for a moment. I mean, South Orange does redevelopment differently. And I remember when I was in office, you know, there were, and we sort of did this on purpose, there were developers that did not want to come to South Orange because they knew that to do so, you had to sit with some of the, and I, we would facilitate, but you had to convince various community groups of what you were doing also. And there were developers who don't want to do that. And that was a great self-selection, right? Okay, well, we don't want you either then. If you don't care what people in the community that you're building a project, think about your project and we don't want you doing this project here. And there were some that were much better about that and would sit down and do revision after revision and talk about things. And um, you know, some of the projects that we've done, like Third and Valley, I think is a good example. I mean, Jonathan Rose Companies is, is really an excellent company. And they did an excellent project um, that uh, really met a need. Um, especially considering that those 15, um, when we, you know, those were the first on-site affordable units that we did and for the, what was it? 23 units. And there was like 900 people on the waiting list or something. This is a problem in New Jersey. I, I think even more than that. Yeah. It was an incredible, and, and yeah, so, so the affordable housing is important, but the other part about that, which we are now requiring as we become uh, more able to do that, right. We, there is a, a large demand now because right, of right. the cachet every project as you said it's a good filter if you know we demand community give back whether right. it's a financial component or in the case that's going on now on south orange avenue there's developments being done they're actually putting aside a certain amount of very desirable uh, real estate on the second floor for uh, co-retailing so mm -hmm. one of the th things we have been talking about wanting to have in town is an opportunity since commercial space is so expensive and startup businesses early stage businesses it's a huge risk to, to right. sign a five-year or 10-year lease, not knowing whether your business idea is going to work out. So we're giving them an opportunity to test it out. They get a small little space. Um, and so I'm really excited about this and it should be live That's in a couple cool. of years. Yeah. Uh, and so that was their community give back. And so each of the development projects, uh, the public storage space, which we're looking on at Valley um, is going to come in and they're going to create a, a an outdoor space that will have a wall for showing films and they're putting money into the local playground. Um, so yeah, and this is something again that wouldn't have happened unless our development committee with their expertise is sort of helping guiding this process to what's best for our community. Right, right. And we gained, I mean, it was so, when we were in the beginning of this, you know, in the 2011, 2012, I mean, we were still trying to get developers to pay attention to us. Um, and I think we successfully turned that around through a couple of through Third and Valley and the Gateway, maybe a couple other projects where, you know, we made some changes to how we did construction and permitting. So like, just like, well, they're going to make this an easier process to open up and work with us, but you got to talk to the community. Um, and we take that seriously. And yeah, it was, um, 
I mean, I remember yeah, sitting in some of those uh, committee meetings and um, you know, you had people who worked for developers who said, actually, don't do it that way, do it this way. Um, exactly. and and, it's like, oh, that's good to know. And we don't do it to, we do it with. I think that's a really right, important right. distinction. So uh, in the case of um, Third and Valley and now subsequently Fourth and Valley, uh, as Valley be continues to become developed, uh, we're removing some of the less desirable from a, from a community perspective, some of the uh, automotive uses, even though they provide, you know, obviously there's real value there, but as we turn it more into a pedestrian friendly and residential area, we're really taking into account what the current residents uh, desire. Right. And, and that includes even aesthetics. When we're looking at the building materials, the architecture, the style, um, we are actually are engaging with that community. There's a community, uh, a neighborhood group that has effectively really dictated these are the kinds of you know aesthetics that we want and, and right. we have a new design review board that was created uh, only in the last uh, several years to help along that process i mean Which there was go ahead go no ahead. i was just gonna say i think it's relatively unique i think again we really it empower it's not just for the purpose of of making people feel good they really uh, again it comes down to we we would not have had we don't have these kinds of skills on, on in a in a small department of government that that we pay. We wouldn't have had these skills. So to be able to get all the expertise um, that a town like South Orange has, I mean, we're fortunate. One of the things, the reason why people move here uh, is the proximity to New York City. We have uh, a set of professional skills uh, of people who get mm -hmm. paid, to, you know. And uh, but the fact that even though they, after commuting, after putting in a long day, they're still willing to engage and provide voluntarily their expertise for, for our collective benefit, um, I think is remarkable. And, and you know, uh, it's also why, why, why the SoFit group was really important because if, if it's all work and no play, you know, we wanna make sure people are healthy. So that combination right. of work, what we like to say in, in South Orange is that, you know, it's a great place to live, work and play. And, and that was the other thing we did in the downtown. We came yes. up with this idea of play day. Yeah, that was a fabulous idea. Yeah. It is so amazing. Like, right, yeah. you know, our parents always told us not to play in the street, right. except for we changed that all. And we said, yeah, we're going to play in the street. We shut it down. We got rid of all the, uh, the cars, the, the automotive traffic for a day. And we just get out and play in the street. It was a fabulous transformation. So, yeah, so, so we so many good events like that in the downtown or the concerts at Floods Hill or the concerts in the downtown. And, you know, I think that, like, there's just all of these places where there's a connection points and whether you're going to a concert or you're involved in organizing the concerts like you can as a resident you could do whichever and we were sort of open to all of those things and you know it's something i've heard before you know on um i don't know i've been on panels and workshops and things where people talk about the difficulty of um you know recruiting and retaining volunteers for things and what people often seem to conclude is that they're asking too much of the volunteers and you have to be really gentle with them because they're volunteering their time and my feeling was always the opposite a because it's a volunteer mayor uh not by choice uh <laughs> the volunteer part and on a volunteer on the rescue squad and knew that you can absolutely i mean you know rescue squad is doing 1500 emergency medical calls a year for south orange and for seton hall and for maplewood and for some of the other towns and they're all volunteers, 100%. And that works pretty well. Never missed a 911 call. Uh, and they're coming in at all hours and all the weather. 
So I don't think it's not that volunteers can't do things. It's that we don't actually sometimes ask enough of the volunteers. And that if you want people to be involved in distributing the press releases that you wrote about a policy that they weren't involved in creating, of course, you're going to have trouble retaining them. But if you help, if you get people involved to help design the policies, like, yeah, there's smart people in every community in New Jersey, there's smart people who are interested in participating everywhere. It's just figuring out how to get them interested in plugging in so they feel like they're actually contributing, which I, I think we did in all these different areas. Yeah, I think they, they have something to show for it. Again, no one wants right. to volunteer and feel like their effort was done without any value being derived. And I think again, maybe it comes out of a scarcity mentality that we that we don't we wouldn't have had it without them. But regardless, um, they're achieving, they're making a big impact, and we celebrate it. I think that's the other part is uh, that's part of the recognition that's essential with it's not mandatory, but I think we do celebrate each other. We we uh, we get behind those. We talked about that a little earlier. When when people accomplish things, um, we're not afraid to to salute them, to celebrate them. For, right. for, and we and you know I think that's a big part of it. We feel good about it, including the uh, staff, which I think you staff. know over the last you know since my time and now I, I know all that's like done or tried to do a better job in recognizing the hard work of the staff there giving them, uh, you know, taking people mini golfing and over to the pool and recognizing people in governing body meetings. And there's just so much good work and people don't realize, you know, how hard some of those jobs are. Exactly. And, and I think, again, that will keep them working even harder, right? If right. you know you're being recognized now, it's whether you're getting paid or not. There's things that motivate people. Uh, and I believe, you know, compensation is only a, obviously, for volunteers, it's got zero impact, but, right. but even for workers, I, I think it's a small part. I, I think um, Daniel Pink talks about, you know, the three elements that are, that are really important to people's jobs is, is a sense of autonomy, uh, a sense of mastery or an ability to try to master something, and then purpose. And I think that's right. a big part in, in volunteerism uh, is feeling of purpose and, and uh, whether it's to help our school system, whether it's to help local arts, recreation, uh, all those things. We give people lots of opportunities to, to sign up and, and to engage. And again, to me, that may have been my absolute most favorite thing is, is seeing people feel good about their community and, and getting further engaged. Interesting. And so, all right, so, so we've talked about a few things that, that have been sort of rewarding aspects of the experience for you. What's been some of the challenges, um, either in running for office the first time, you know, having not done that before, in being in office early on? Like, what were what were some of the things that were difficult, and and is there anything that comes to mind, and how did you kind of, you know, meet that and overcome it? Well, I think psychology for me, and probably for many people, is things that are hard. To, those are things you forget. They say that women <laughs> right. forget childbirth until it's time to do it again. Um, so I don't remember that many things, honestly, Alex, that, that uh, were challenging. I do know um, it was a part of it for me was very much just jumping off a cliff because I had right, no right. background uh, right. to run that first time. I was probably, the, yeah. I, I was the least qualified person, <laughs> you know, in terms of- I think that's what it said on your campaign flyer. It, it did, that was my, <laughs> my campaign promises. I know nothing. Um, uh, but I was able to take, you know, some transferable skills, right? And, and so I think you recognize that. And that was one of the reasons, you know, you, you, you did tap me and, and others were interested is that I had other experience that I could, that was relevant, that I could bring forward from the private in enterprise into, into public. 
Um, so that was a challenge, but it was an exciting challenge. Like I, I, I like challenge because it's a part of the motivation is, you know, can I do something I've never done before? So I was excited for that. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't have to do it alone. I mean, right. um, and that's really important. I don't know. If I, I, in fact, I know I wouldn't have tried to do it alone. We did run and I had two fabulous, uh, uh you know, colleagues, Walter Clark and Sheena Collins to run with. Sheena had a, a lot of experience actually mm-hmm. being behind the scenes. She was the campaign manager uh, for a couple of other um, folks before her. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though she was the youngest by far, she had the most you know, experience in that regard. So it was a challenge, but uh, you know, I was also probably very naive. I probably didn't even know what, I, what would have scared me. I didn't even know enough to be afraid <laughs> of all the things going into it. Um, so, you know, I, I honestly can't remember that many things. Yeah, there are some times um, where there isn't trust. That may have been the most painful thing, uh, right. Alex, is, right. is I rely on that, is, is, is you know, hopefully I, I believe I do things uh, for the right reason. Um, how I either voted or conducted myself was, uh, I didn't have any, you know, self-interest involved in terms of the, the way I, I acted. So, if there were cases, and I can't think of any specifics, thankfully, as I said, maybe I, I purposely put them out of my mind, but there were probably times where, um, you know, a resident uh, or a group had some objection to something maybe I, I was doing. We talked about there may have been good reason if it had to do with information, as you referred to in the water inst- uh, instance, uh, that we couldn't disclose why we're acting a certain way. Um, but it happens. You can't please everybody. There, there are going to be some times when you have to choose what you think is the right direction. Um, and uh, perhaps there were people who, who disagreed or voiced their displeasure. And uh, that doesn't feel good. right? No. It's, um, and it sounds like you don't remember, you know, or maybe you didn't really look at it at the time. I don't remember about Maplewood Online, you know, and all the, you know, that was, I know that was a challenge for me early on was dealing with this sort of like anonymous echo chamber of what I think was a very small number of people participating, although a very large number of people watching, um, um, you know, that would, issues would get discussed in the most, you know, I mean, sometimes there was things, you know, people would post announcements on there that were helped. There's things, it's not like everything on that website. This was a, a sort of message board in South Orange and Maplewood that was like locally hosted, but it was moderated by my belief uh, or what I believe to be true is that it was moderated by people who had their own political interests and incentives and alliances, and they didn't enforce the rules fairly at all. And some people got banned, you know, for doing nothing, and some people never got banned for breaking all the rules. Um, and it was just a, you know, na- it was a lot of really nasty, negative, personal attacks on each other, and on sometimes a lot on me, um, especially as I started to push back, but on all of us sometimes. But the good part of that, I'm going to take the positive side of that, is it's gone. Well, it's not gone, but in terms of its, uh, effectively is right. I believe right. it's still out there. I haven't been on there probably. It's not a. It's not a years. player in the political space. Not anymore. a player. But that and, took and, a lot of pushback. I mean, you know, I mean, I remember there was a board meeting. I remember, you know, I don't remember if I held the list up in paper, but I basically, you know, said I'm not ever looking. And I remember exactly the moment this happened because we were negotiating a contract with our former uh, business administrator who had been in South Orange for a while. And for right or wrong reason, some people in the community, there was a little bit of, uh, I don't know, mystique or controversy or people were, you know, people wanted to like, 
people were kind of engaged in this issue, but not exactly in a healthy way. And so we're negotiating this contract. Um, he had very favorable contract terms um, in some long-term benefits that were guaranteed, uh, so, some of which were lifetime benefits. We were trying to negotiate away some of the really expensive long-term commitment stuff. And that process of negotiating a contract with an employee is done you know, largely behind the scenes. I mean, who would go work for a government where you put all that right out there? And that is a, a, a legal right that employees, public employees are given in New Jersey. They get to decide, the employee, not the employer, whether that conversation happens in private or in public. Um, the public sort of being an avenue that if you think that you are being dismissed in violation of law or something, you can sort of raise awareness of it. But otherwise, these all happen in private. And so we were, again, another issue where we said, we can't really get into, we're trying to negotiate this contract. We can't get into this with everybody, but you got to trust us. We understand what your concerns are. And I remember going into a meeting that we were going to vote on this. And I remember this is the last post that I ever read on Maplewood Online. And it was people saying, um, I hope that uh, uh, this individual gets cancer and the town has to pay for the lifetime benefits. And I remember, and, and not only that someone said that, but that that person didn't get banned, that people responded were like, LOL, yeah. Not like, that's horrible, why would you say that? And I was like, I don't want any of this involved in my life at all. Not well, just from a so governing perspective, this is negativity I do not wanna participate in ever again. Um, yeah. And yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, and so that's, you know, it's the back then was before uh, the onset of the strength of, of social media in terms of, you know, Facebook, it's still pretty early. Twitter. It was still early. And, and so we still see that, right? So there's value to social media, right? I mean, each of the platforms, uh, you know, from a social shared, yeah, there's good reasons to, to have social media. It's social, right? You can share pictures and Happiness, but it also, like any technology uh, or media, it can be used for bad purposes. The the particular problem with that platform, which I think both you and I I, I had a, a problem with, the biggest problem, uh, a was the unfairness in terms of how it was operated, but b the fact that it did not have transparency. That right. you didn't have to be, if you said something, you could hide behind you know the specter of you know a fake name or or you could you could have five different user IDs and, and say right. how smart you each right. time you were. You know, that it, those are the kinds of things as we as we adopt technologies, especially early, you know, we, we don't even know how they could how they might have negative uh, impact or repercussions. So we learn from that. Um, this is the you know something else for for future conversations I'm happy to have with you. But you know, it is something that I'm very interested in. Uh, separately, not only in government, but from the private enterprise, is artificial intelligence and technologies in general. Mm -hmm. How do you regulate them? Um, and, and can they be self-regulated? There's a whole thing around that. But that was, I agree with you, that that was a, a uh, it was a bad time. But I, I'm, I'm going to choose to look optimistically that it did evolve. We got rid of it. It was replaced by a better means of communication, which we're now using. And that effectively, you know, that, that structure is no longer has any impact. But I think I think that um, I you know I think that the process of going from it being you know I would argue the the predominant pol political local discourse space I mean it really influenced people because people thought that there were so many people looking at it that that's what it represented but like I knew from you know being at 
Starbucks all day, every day, or being on the rescue squad or all these other things. And like talking to people, like there'd be a controversy on the website and nobody would mention it at all in any physical in-person discussions for weeks. Like, all right, I think there's like two different things happening here. And, but I think we were only able to sort of evolve because A, we pushed back on it at a certain point. Um, which I was sort of happy to be the tip of the spear there because I was like, I don't care. They already hate me. You know, I'm not going to change anything. You know, I'm never going to win the favor of this sort of anonymous echo chamber. Um, and, and I don't think it represents everybody. Like I felt confident in that. But also I think that we all were able to do something. We were able to do it. We were able to, that, that could be a, like evolved away from because we had so many other ways to plug people in that like nobody could argue that there wasn't a way to get involved or share your opinion or affect a policy. I mean, I remember extending invitations to like committees like about transportation, New Jersey transit stuff to people who literally stalked me on social media and that it was like, okay, but that's fine. Come join the process. If you want to participate, we're not going to look at that website anymore, but we will appoint you to a committee about that topic, but you've got yeah, to get involved. And I think that comes back to something you said in the onset is, is being willing to open yourself for different perspectives. I, right. I, I think that, you know, if we had to summarize this conversation, which I've enjoyed, but it, it's, it, that is the power. That's the strength of good government, of good, any good organization is being open to hearing and inviting just to, to your point, even if they disagreed with you, you still invited them to participate as long as they were civil. Right. And that's what they, that environment, that platform allowed non-civil behavior and right, and right. that was the problem but but again I, as i said i think yeah you were you were part of the spirit that that allowed us to move away from it to demonstrate why it was invalid or or non-productive and move it to a better place and and you know uh how do we conduct business in a productive way we're happy to hear different opinions you know maybe you'll change my mind or improve my evolve my thinking um but we want to be inclusive and i and i honestly really fundamentally so believe um, that including different thoughts again I, I will tell you that that is uh, why I went into South by South R South next was right. um, the whole idea of, it was a, it was called creative collisions it was it was seeing a collision uh, which I defined as a as a different perspective and doesn't it doesn't have to be uh, destructive it could be productive and constructive right. yeah I think yeah. that's before we start move to, to wrapping up here, because I, I know, I mean, we could probably talk about all this stuff for hours. There is another aspect to some of what we're talking about that I do just want to um, spend a minute on, which is that um, the government in South Orange is really accountable, um, I, I would argue. And part of that has to do with um, community members who are very savvy about things like the Open Public Records Act and uh, things like that. But also because we actually have a lot of local media in South Orange and Maplewood, more than I've seen in any other towns that are similarly sized. Like we have the media environment of, you know, a, you know, of a Patterson level, you know, of an 80,000 or 100,000 person town in a 20,000 person town. You know, we had the news record of print once a week. We had the Village Green. It had the alternative press. And there has been on a few occasions, one or two other um, local media outlets as well that have operated. Patch. Patch, that's right, that's right. Patch operated for a while pretty actively. And then and there might've even been one or two other ones that I'm forgetting the name of now that, that um, but, but there was a lot of that. And a lot of them washed every single governing body meeting and reported on every meeting. 
And that's just something that I've noticed more and more is absent from so many medium and smaller towns. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts on the role that, that having an active local media environment plays in all of these different dynamics that we're discussing. Yeah. And actually there's more uh, in that our schools, that's Columbia High School, like, you know, they, they try to encourage journalism. Right. There, there's a strong, and as well as the uh, Seton Hall University. The right, that's right, that's right. Um, so, yeah, so uh, what I think it, it does is it, it shines a light. It comes back to the, you know, the trust and transparency aspect of having media. Uh, people really care. This is a community that people want to know, They're, you know, we're sort of the opposite in a good way of what is oftentimes called the, uh, uh, what is it, a bedroom community. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, when I picture that, I picture somebody who comes home from work, whether they're commuting or working, and they just, you know, they have dinner, they sit in their couch, they check out, they're tired uh, and, until the next day starts again. And, and, you know, because we value engagement so much and we give opportunities, uh, people do want to know. They want information. They want to be involved. They want to not just take action, but they want to know what's going on because they feel they can make an impact. They want to know what's going on. So um, all those those institutions that you refer to, uh, you know, the Village Green are, are made up of SOMA, South Orange Maplewood residents right. you know, who right. had traditional backgrounds right. in journalism. And just like our development committee and other committees, they brought a skill set and experience. Now, Village Green is a for-profit. You know, it's uh, they're not going to make millions of dollars off of that. So I think it's a combination of, you know, a way to make a little money, but to also, as I talked about compensating, compensating to me is not just financially. There really is something that I've coined return on community, ROC, not just ROI, return on investment. But um, I think many of the folks do it because it, allows them to stay relevant, to be informed, um, uh, tap into, again, is, you know, the, the guy who, who owns this franchise is, is a, a current South Orange resident. He was in Maplewood for that. Um, and I think it benefits our community because, again, it keeps us, quote, honest and involved and engaged by shining a light. It's the anti Maplewood online where, where you could sort of right. hide in corners. Right. Um, and, uh, I forgot who was the famous journalist. I just, it's not, you know, who, who basically, uh, said the antidote for most evil is, is the sun is transparency. Um, and I think having a real participatory, uh, set of media of journalists who keep us informed, engaged, involved, and it's not just a one-way communication. This is the beauty of the internet. It's as opposed to a print newspaper, which, you only thing you can do is read. The, the beauty of, of the online versions is it is interactive. It's engaging. Right. There are four. And they are all engaged. In exactly. That. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very appreciative. I you know I really uh, and I know um, the Village Green has struggled and I, and I think you know it, it reminds me a little bit of Channel 13 of public you know te public television, which I happen to be a proponent of. I you know I know people don't like they they say they're you know pleading for money. Well, you know, there's various different ways to stay afloat. You know, there there is advertising supported, as most of the broadcast media goes for. But um, there are sponsorships. There's a lot, you know, transactions. There's a few different ways to stay in business. So I believe very much in um, the Village Green and the and uh, tap into. Um, they they do you know community appeals, not just you know they ask you for uh, subscriptions to to be a, a member to sign up for a year. 
Um, but they're often also asked for donations. And, and to me, uh, that's very worthwhile because it adds to our overall engagement community. People have an opportunity to know about how else they can stay engaged and make an impact. And, and what's kind of cool, I mean, there's a few layers to this. I mean, one, I think it's interesting. I, I wonder what your response to the following is, is that what, because what it seems like, you know, at the national level, the problem, and in a lot of towns, I see two-sided debates and the two-sided debates don't work, right? You know, you can think about this from a game theory, whatever you, there, if you have two sides on either, you've got to have a third party who is, who is moderating. Otherwise, there's really nowhere to go from there. Courts wouldn't work if you just had, you know, the plaintiff and the defendant in a room together, you wouldn't get anywhere. Um, and, and I see that in a lot of towns where you have people that are in power and the people who don't like the people that are in power. And that's all that people have access to is that one side or the other side. And what seems so valuable about the media is that if they're doing well, um, which I, I think, you know, South Orange, South Orange, maybe they're probably doing a better job than a lot of places. And maybe they're doing a better job than at the national level, but like they are, they are providing a space for all the stuff to get sort of reconciled right? They, they, they can't just do one side of it. They've got all the different, whether you agree with the overall where it comes out or not. And like, I didn't always agree with the way they frame stuff all the hundred percent of the time, but they always had access to everybody, you know, in the, in the government. And it was like, all right, well, you've got to sort of moderate, we've got a referee or something in the space, which we, which you don't have unless there's some third party there. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the form of opinion, uh, and that's challenging. Again, this is a bigger uh, topic because for the most part, it does work. I, I also like the third party, the moderator. Um, you know, it depends. Also, some media companies uh, purposely say they're non-biased. You know, and in fact, the New York Times, uh, which I'm an avid reader and and uh, and enjoy, but there there is a bias, right? right. Your 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 editorial has a bias. Um, and they're criticized for that if they have that. Obviously, there's left-wing media, there's right-wing media. Um, they have inherent biases. Um, but uh, the best part is, is when you know, people engage, when you hear the overall community, who get to hopefully be informed on topics and you know, are able to opine and, and offer their opinion. Um, I, you know, just like you were talking about, there are examples where it gets challenging in social media. You can have bullying. Right. At, at multiple levels, right? And mm -hmm. and there are some organizations that have used that platform, that bully pulpit, to actually demean others in, in, you know, right. in the way that you had been referred to. And, and that hurts me, actually. I've seen that. It's great to be an advocate. It's great to be impassioned in your opinion. But where you don't, where if you come at it without value for the other side and come at it in a demeaning way that, that, that is saying, if you're not of my opinion, then you're just absolutely evil or wrong. Or there are some who have done that. And I find that very disturbing. Um, How do you deal with that on a personal level? If something like that is happening, I mean, do you, what, what helps you sort of recenter yourself if you're, if you're, if you're getting that incoming? I do a lot of yoga. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm sure that really, I mean, I, I found meditation over the last couple of years to be very helpful too. these things. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm not good enough yet to, <laughs> to, to really, I, I try, but it, it's so powerful. It's really hard to not take those things personally. I mean, fortunately I haven't been the brunt singularly. I, I guess the good news is I'm not that important uh, as, as a past. No, seriously, as the village president, I mean, there are six of us trustees um, and we're all basically 
you know, equals. Um, but the, the, our form of government, uh, you alluded from the beginning, is very unique. Um, and the, the village president inordinately has much more power and therefore also, you know, uh, is under the, you know, the, the microscope. Um, right. So I haven't felt in, in too many occasions where I was personally, you know, anybody attacked me. But, but, but I've seen others get attacked. And, and from an empathy standpoint, I, that bothers me. I, you know, I do feel really, I've seen people get personal attacks. Um, and that does hurt, right? Uh, because if it's done not in a way that is uh, objective, but actually, you know, subjectively trying, it, it's a bullying tactic. It, it's a belief right. that you are using uh, your stance, your perspective, or or a uh, volume to, to to invalidate somebody else's opinion. So how do I deal with it? I try to do it through productive ways. Again, I, I, I'm going to come back to what my mission. One of the things that I was able to do was create this thing called South Next, which was to put on a bunch of programs, which encouraged as much um, interactive conversations, panels, presentations, different media, films. Um, music, uh, all these things, the arts, I love for the fact that it can be stimulating, that it's provocative to point out there's, there is validly different ways of looking at it. You don't necessarily have to change your opinion, but at least respect it. So I guess that's been my uh, tactic is to, is to try to find ways, productive ways uh, for myself and to try to offer others a way to think about it, a culture of more of acceptance. Right. Okay, cool. Um, well, I think we're, we're getting ready to wrap up here. Um, uh, although we should probably spend several hours debating, uh, decentralized finance and cryptocurrencies, which is our, our last that, That'll be, that's part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess, is there anything, so Steve, no, knowing that some of the people that might be watching or listening to this are people who are thinking about running for office, thinking about getting involved in government, maybe haven't done so before, you know, especially anybody younger that doesn't have the experience, but they've got big picture ideas they want to work on. Are there any sort of final thoughts reflecting on your time, um, you know, that you would uh, give to someone? I mean, I think we've covered a lot of really, really helpful uh, reflections. Um, and it sounds like there's a lot that you felt like you've gotten to directly be involved in. That's been very rewarding. Move the ball forward in different areas in collaboration with people in different communities. Lots of good stuff there. But anything we didn't cover that you, that you wanted to touch on or that you'd like to leave off with people? You know, I, I, I don't think there's anything net new. I guess I would just emphasize uh, the opportunity to make a difference, to make an impact. Um, and that includes bringing your, your background, your experience, but also your, hopefully your objective, objectivity, your thoughtfulness. Your, it's, an, it's an opportunity to really get good at listening. Uh, and, and that would be from your colleagues, uh, whether that's be fellow elected officials or government or uh, whoever, you know, we often do get to, you, you talked about a third party. We are sometimes become the arbitrator. We listen to two sides. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a downtown business that right. is, you know, isn't happy with whatever a situation. So I, I find it's been a fabulous exercise for me in terms of my own personal development. Um, I believe I've grown from it. Uh, hopefully, I've been able to uh, give back. I, I believe I have and make a difference. I, th I think making a difference, I think making an impact, that's always been my motivator, both in the, the uh, professional 
arena as well as now in, in the public one is um, being able to, to, to make a positive change. So I would say, as you, you mentioned for young people, uh, it's a great opportunity to get engaged, to see things um, that you might not have seen before. Government is really, it's fundamental. fundamental. I mean, our, our, our constitution allows for a representative government that is supposedly here for our collective benefit. And um, I think in many cases, it's the, if done well, it, uh, you know, and that's the key. So as a participant, uh, people can come in whether they have the time to run for office and make it a big part of their lives or would just volunteer to be on a committee. Um, I would just say, you know, when in doubt, do something. Hmm. Uh, go forward, be a part of the potential solution. I like the when in doubt, do something. I will. Uh, I did that, get on, that on some T-shirts or something. You know, they already are. So I can't take credit for it, but I will tell you it comes from Harry Chapin. So, OK. Uh, it gives you, I'm, a, I'm aged, I'm dating myself a little bit, but one of my profound uh, influences, I, I met him a few times, but not you know, any great deal, but that was Harry Chapin's uh, tagline, when it hmm. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, well, that's great. Well, Steve, thanks for um, participating in the conversation. And I mean, you already know that I feel this way in general, but, but I appreciate everything, you know, getting to work with you for a while on the governing body uh, for a couple of years there, at least. And I've just been so happy, uh, you know, from afar, seeing the kind of productive nature of conversations and all the cool things that South Orange and Maplewood, um, but especially South Orange, um, are doing. And, you know, especially everything in the downtown and everything with the Performing Arts Center, like all of these things that were not destined to be successful, but were only successful because people put in the work to make them that way. Um, and I think that your way of approaching those things and being open to new ideas and being thoughtful about that, like this is this is the model. This is what we should be. This is what we should be talking about as far as what government can be. And it's not even about what the policy is. I think you said this earlier. It's about how you go about it, the process of figuring out what to do, and that what we're talking about is not saying you have to have 20 years experience in redevelopment and blah blah blah. It just means if you want to work on redevelopment figure out a way to do it that isn't this backroom door deal making thing and figure out a way to engage people and be open to ideas. And that can go very far just itself. So I appreciate you doing all of that um, and spending the enormous amount of time that you have spent on all of this stuff and for sharing some of that today. So thank you. It's been my pleasure. And, and I thank you for inviting me today. And, and again, for, for being uh, <laughs> initiating this back uh, eight plus years ago for, for getting me involved, which, as I said, I didn't know what I was getting into, but I'm really glad I did. So I'm glad too. Hey everyone, Alex here. If you want to find show notes, sources, and more information, you can do so in the YouTube description or online on my website at rethinkingwithalextorpy.com. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me with any questions or feedback at alex at rethinkingwithalextorpy.com or on social media. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving a positive review, subscribing, liking, or sharing this episode with a friend. Thanks again for listening.